Hello everyone and welcome again to another episode of Papa's Tackle Box. We're very grateful that you're joining us uh, on whatever platform that you get your podcast needs from. Thanks to everyone who's been following us and keeping up with everything that we're doing on Facebook, Instagram, uh, or even our website, LegacyCC.org. Also, a huge shout out to those who have given to the podcast through our website under the Give Now tab. Now, I know you all are waiting to hear what Papa's going to pull out of his tackle box today. So without wasting any more time, you are listening to Papa's Tackle Box. And here's Papa. Hey, welcome again to another episode of Papa's Tackle Box. And I'm Papa. And today I'm going to pull out of my box, uh, I want to pull out the book of Daniel again. And you know the story. Daniel and his friends, they were brought out of Egypt into the pagan culture as slaves, yet they stood firm in their faith. Can we still do it today? Live our life in a culture that is trying to change us? We have a choice. We'll either set the culture, influence it, be the thermostat, or we will reflect the culture. We'll just be a thermometer. We are to let our light shine among men that they will want what we have. We're to make things brighter in life that people will want to, they'll see what we have, but also we're to be salt. Salt makes things taste better. So we are to, to make things better and brighter. Jesus said in John 17, 15 through 16, my prayer for you is not that you take them out of the world, that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world, even as I am not of it. He doesn't want us out of the world, but protected in the world. I'm in it, so how do I live in it and not become a part of it and have influence in it? Babylon, yes, we understand if we go to a map and can look at it, but I want to suggest to you that today it's not a location, that it is a mentality a spirit that existed in the beginning of the Bible and the end of the Bible and exists today. Satan's first words that we see in Genesis is a lie. Adam and Eve are in the garden. Satan shows up in the form of a serpent. The first thing he does is question God. He elevated people. Satan's lie is, I'm all about you and God's all about himself. So, listen, I can give you everything you want, but this is all about you, but God's all about himself. So, if you'll follow me, I'll take care of you. You go a few chapters further in the book of Genesis to the Tower of Babel. And they said, let us build a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. We don't need God. We got this. So, the enemy is waging all bets on our self-interest. That, that's why it's called Babel or Babylon, which means confusion or deranged way of thinking. So again, I'm not talking about a literal place, but I'm talking about a mentality. Uh, the word Babylon means confusion, a deranged way of thinking. The book of Revelation 17 and 5 says, the name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon the great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. Everything that is ungodly has its roots in this mentality. 
And if you go to the middle of the Bible, in Isaiah chapter 47, 8, verse 8 through 10, now then listen, you a lower of pleasure, lounging in your security and saying to yourself, I am, there is none besides me. I will never be a widow or suffer the loss of children. Both of these will overtake you in a moment on a single day, loss of children and widowhood. They will come upon you in full measure in spite of your many sorceries and your potent spells. You have trusted in your wickedness and have said no one sees me. Your wisdom and knowledge misled you. Say to yourself, I am and there is none beside me. So Babylon's motto is, I am and there is none besides me. This is uh, getting yourself uh, getting yourself focused and, and, and so, so self-focused. So what happens here? First of all, it's self-adoring. That means it's focused on me. It's elevating self. Secondly, it's self-building. I can do it without God. I, I don't need him. It's self-indulging. I'll just do whatever I want to do. Who cares? These three things lower God, puts him down on our level, and that's what our culture is trying to do is bring God to our level and changing who he is to fit who we are. The enemy says to you, God doesn't love you. If he loved you, he would let you be who you are. God, also, God isn't for me. Oh, what you're telling me worked 50 years ago, but it's not for me. It's, it's a brand new day, and you're old, and you're set in your ways. God, this isn't for me. And the third thing sometimes is God wants too much for me. He asks for, he just is asking for too much. I, I can't do all this. And so this is the Babylon mentality. This can be in any of us. So let's go to the book of Daniel in chapter 4, verse 4. Nebuchadnezzar was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. What is he doing? He's admiring himself. And Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, a big old tree, fruitful, and, and it's all over the nation. It was completely cut down to a stump with the roots left. When he wakes up, he doesn't know what it means, so he calls all of his magicians and his sorcerers, and they don't know what it means. And then one of them says, well, you know what? There is there's one in your court. Uh, uh, there's a Hebrew boy by the name of Daniel. Let's see if he knows. He knew the interpre interpretation. Daniel said, O king, you are the tree. If you will be, you will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with dew of heaven. Seven times will pass, or seven years, you could say, will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Now, he didn't listen to Daniel. He was out, you know, admiring the hanging garden of Babylon, one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, and, you know, saying, look what I did, but then look what happened to him. And then in Daniel chapter 4, verse 34 through 37, at the end of that time, what time that he's been out those years acting like a cow, 
I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanctity was restored. After spending seven years acting like a cow, then I praised the Most High. I honor and glorify Him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as He pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of earth. No one can hold back his, his hand or say to Him, what, you, what have you done? At the same time that my sanctity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven, because everything he does is right and all his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. You know, when we look at all of that and, and talking about can we survive in, in a culture that is changing and trying to change the way we believe and the way, the way we act and the way we think, uh, there, there are three things that I, help, I, I think will help us survive the culture that is going around us. And, and the first one is, I will exalt God. Now, I have to live my life in praise. Anything else is, uh, anything less, I think, is just arrogance. So it's not just that we go to church on Sunday and, and, and we owe this to him every day of our lives that I'm going to exalt God. So I think in order to survive the culture that we're growing up in or we've already are in our final years or whatever it might be, we've got to live our life that exalts God. And it can't be just once a week. It has to be an everyday event in our lives that we exalt God. And the second thing I think that will help us survive the culture is I will acknowledge God. Now, what does that mean? I think that we have to acknowledge that His Word is truth. I've got to obey His Word. I've got to trust in Him. I can't try. To, I can't figure out everything that He's doing, and it doesn't matter what the government says that they may pass this law or that law. His way is right. And so I've got to acknowledge that I'm going to live by the truth of God's word and I'm going to live my life as I exalt him in my everyday life and that I will acknowledge him and his word. The third thing that I think is going to help us make it through is uh, I will humble myself. You, you can initiate it or culture will. Uh, it's going to happen in our lives. Uh, so humility is, is thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself. Humility, Scripture, is just thinking of yourself less. And when you do that, the Bible said, He will lift you up. Insanity will happen to everyone who takes on the Babylon mentality. But sanctity happens, peace is restored when we acknowledge who God is. So today I just want to just say to you that are, that are listening is that we are in a culture that's trying to change who we are. How can we stay in it? 
If, if Babylon is a mentality, then the mentality is going to bring about confusion in our lives. It's going to bring about all of this stuff, and we're not going to know what to do. But when we acknowledge who God is, we exalt him, we acknowledge his truth, and we humble ourselves, we think less of ourselves and more of him, then, then uh, we don't have to worry because our peace will be restored when we acknowledge who God is. Hey, Papa, thanks uh, for sharing that with us. Uh, I, have a, I have one question. Uh, I love what you say about, um, you know, when setting culture that we need to be the thermostat, not the thermometer. Um, I say that all the time to youth students. Uh, but, and, and, you know, you gave us the three examples of how we can be the thermostat, right? Exalt God, acknowledge God, and humble ourselves. Now, when I'm thinking about those three uh, the first two are pretty easy compared to the last one. Yes. Right? Uh, the, humbling yourself is not a simple task. Um, and you say, you know, all that is, is is thinking of yourself less and thinking of God more. Uh, but again, we, we've kind of ran into that problem. We've talked about this before on the podcast where we say that as preachers, uh, and it sounds real easy, uh, but it's not. So could you maybe go a little deeper, maybe give an example, uh, you know, what's something, what, what are you meaning by thinking of yourself less and thinking of God more? You know, well, let's go back to the scripture where they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment that has been giving? And he says, well, you love God with all your heart and you love your neighbor as yourself. And, and one of the things is, is that, uh, Debbie keeps saying that, uh, about me is that Maddie, my granddaughter, and I have in common is we like to look in the mirror at ourselves. And uh, so sometimes when we look at our mirror in the mirror at ourselves is, you know, for me, I just want to look presentable. I want to make sure my hair is combed, you know, is, is everything, you know, as the older I get, I'm not as, is everything perfect? Do, do my socks match, you know, or I don't have one sock. And, you know, I've even come to church before with one shoe that was not, they were not, I had two shoes y on. Yes, you have. And, and, you know, didn't realize it. I got dressed in the dark and I didn't look in the mirror. So I think when we talk about uh, humbling ourselves is that, is that we need to think more about him. So when I get up in the morning, I, my prayer in the morning is always this. It's been for a long time. Lord, today, when I get out into the public, don't let me embarrass you in what I do, what I say, how I act, and things of that nature. But but in, in, a, in a world that... Uh, Right now, we're in a world that everybody wants to take, well, you can't see me. I've got my phone up. We like to take <laughs> selfies, you know, and right. we want to take pictures of ourselves, and then we want to post them out there so that people will look at and comment and say, man, you look good and all this kind of stuff. And I'm afraid that we're promoting ourselves more than we're promoting uh, loving our neighbor, loving God. And, and loving God is not about just Sunday. Loving God is every day in our life. We've been called disciples. And as a disciple, I think as we look less at ourselves, that uh, I'm still trying to think about some instance in my life, but uh, I'm not sure I can come up with one. It is easier to say it, but it's hard when we get up in the morning because 
we want to think of uh, Toby Keith sings about I want to I want to talk about me. We want to talk about you know, yep. not us. Yep. I want to just talk about me. And if um, you know, years ago when I was doing associate work, Debbie sat me down one day day and said to me, he says, "The only thing you think about anymore is fishing," and said, "That's all you talk about." Everybody you're around, that's all y'all talk about, fishing. I'll never hear you talk about anything else but fishing. So then I didn't realize that every conversation I had with, with everybody was about fishing. And so then I had to start thinking, okay, I've got to talk something more than just about fishing. Do I still love to fish? Absolutely. Do I talk about fishing as much as I used to? No, because now it's not about me anymore. It's about what can I say to you to encourage you? What can I do to build you up? So if, if it's, not, it's not about you encouraging me or making me feel better, but what can I do to make you feel better today? I look at it at that stance. That, so if I'm going to try to win people to the Lord, I can't talk to them about how good I am and what I've done, but let's talk about you today. And I think when we think less of ourselves, when we think less of ourselves, it makes us look at someone that's struggling and we don't condemn them. And then more than that, now it makes us want to show love to them that, uh, that, because I think love is going to win people, not fear, not being scared, but loving them in the condition they were and the condition they are unconditionally. So when we think less of ourselves, uh, then it, it opens our eyes so that we see more and we see who people really are, not what they're doing. Right, and you started to touch on it right there at the end. Kind of another thing I want to bring up with humbling yourself is, you know, a lot of, uh, I, I see it a lot in Christian circles where typically your uh, seasoned saints, as I like to call them, uh, not to bash the older generation, but they typically seem to always uh, come across as they know what to say, right? Or, or they always have something to say. Yes. Whereas sometimes a big part of humbling yourself is to sit back and actually listen to what the Spirit wants you to say yes. and not what you just think that this person needs to hear. And that's what you were getting at right there at the end with you know you finding what do I need to say to help this person that's in front of me and not just give this Christian cliche or this thing that I've heard over and over and over again but actually uh, you know humble myself to sit back and say hey I don't know everything I don't have this whole Christian thing figured out yet no. <laughs> um, I know I don't I don't either and you don't and we're generations apart um so, i'm on the end of life and you're in the beginning of yeah, life. so i don't really know if anybody is ever going to fully figure it out uh but there are some people that think they have figured it out and uh you know i think that that is probably even worse than just the you know oh, i look in the mirror to make sure i look good or i do yeah. this and i do that uh because we all want to look good Absolutely. when we leave Absolutely. Uh, especially smell good yes um but to Put God to the passenger seat and say, I got this, you know, I don't really need help from you. I mean, I think that's that's far worse yes. uh, than just looking at yourself in a mirror. But I wanted to bring that up, and, and you were touching on it right there at the end. So I think that's, uh, that's an important aspect to humbling yourself. Well, you know, uh, 
do we have all the answers? No. No, ma- no matter how much education will you get, no, we do not have all the answers. But I was told by an older minister of the gospel, an old pastor that had retired, he said to me, and I wrote it down, he said, stay low, serve God, you'll never fall on your face. So if you're low to the ground, <laughs> you're not going to yep. fall on your face. And uh, so one of the things, how do you do that is by uh, thinking less of yourself. And, uh, and uh, you know, it made me think of the song that, that we used to sing, I need you more, more than yesterday. I need you more, more than words can say. When we, when we sit in the driver's seat, we're saying to him, I don't need you. And, uh, but when we sit in the passenger side and say, hey, you drive, we're saying, I can't make this without you. And we do need him. We need him desperately more than we've ever needed him. But I think also as we face a culture that, is, that doesn't understand, I think uh, it's not uh, up to us anymore to get the last word in either. Right. And uh, so uh, humility, being humble, is also, as you said, uh, in the words that we say, listening to the Spirit, uh, a soft, kind word will uh, drive away the anger. Right. And uh, so we're supposed to be uh, uh, harmless as a dove, but as um, sharp and uh, quick as a snake or a serpent. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we want to be, we don't want to just cut people down we want to give them a chance and hear them out and then hear what the Spirit says to us, to them. Because the Holy Spirit wants to speak to people. And how is he going to speak to them? Speaks through us. But if we're thinking too much about ourselves, we're not going to hear him. Yeah. Well, uh, it's time for us to reel it in. But okay. uh, I'm reminded of a quote from the movie Rudy. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Yes, uh, I have. But the quote is uh, from, the from I guess, the chaplain on the campus. And he said, there's two things that I know for sure. There is a God, number one, and number two, I'm not him. That's it. <laughs> and that's that's all Me I can either. think of. Thanks for joining us today. And so we're reeling it in. And so until next time, keep fishing. Hey, thanks everyone for listening to Papa's Tackle Box. Make sure that you stay up to date with everything we're doing by following our Facebook page at Legacy Community Church, Go ahead and follow us on Instagram at LegacyChurchFL, and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Legacy Community Church. You can also keep up to date with everything we're doing at our website, LegacyCC.org. And if this podcast has blessed you in any way, you can also give through our website under the Give Now tab. Thanks for listening.